I recently went to Wales with my friend Tim. We spent five days walking and playing golf and enjoying each other's company. But it was also an opportunity for us to talk about some shared experiences around things like grief, mindfulness, friendship, spiritualism. And we recorded those discussions to create today's podcast. Well, we're sitting high above the rather famous nowadays, uh, Rossilli Bay, uh, which is an absolutely stunning spot. Um, and we've been fortunate. We, we got here some hours ago and we did a beautiful walk. Uh, first of all, over the hills behind the bay and then walking back at beach level back to the car park. Only four miles, actually, according to our map. But boy, was it pretty tough going. It's a bit of up and a bit of down. Uh, and we finished it off with us with some ice creams. Uh, and Tim, what do you think of this view here? Amazing. I swear to start a holiday. I've been to a lot of places in Britain, but my first time to the Gower. I mean, I'm lucky. I've been to this spot quite a few times now. And uh, seriously, anyone, if they just Googled Rossilli Bay image Google search, they would get this view that we're looking at right now. And yet I guarantee on most cases, they still wouldn't get the light that we've got today. It is that perfect today. So we've got a few more days of walking ahead of us uh, and maybe some golf yeah. uh, and maybe some uh, Welsh dinners <laughs> and some Welsh beer if we're, um, if we're really lucky. Do they do any? <laughs> uh, well, yes. Um, I've, come on, Tim, I'm going to show you now just how much beer they have down here. It's different than our beer, but don't worry. You'll, you'll enjoy it once you get stuck into it. You enjoyed that Welsh ice cream now, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. So if you think about it, you, were, yeah, I mean, you and I have been friends for... 40 years? Must be 40, yeah. Good grief, it's, it's been 40 years. Yes. It's not our first holiday either, is it? We've been away for a few, few places over the years. So. We have. I mean, almost this time last year, we were heading down to the south of Spain, um, a group of eight of us, weren't Celebrating we? Celebrating our 50th, yeah. yeah. Yeah, great memories of that week. What I like about friendship that goes over a period of years, uh, as, as ours starting in, in childhood, is that I do think it changes over the years. I think it, it starts off with a competitive theme in, a, in the nicest possible way. I think that particularly young lads growing up together, there's an element of who's going to first pass their driving test, you know, who's, uh, who's the first to get a car, who's the first to get a job. There's a little bit of a competitive element to it in the nicest possible way, but I, that's how I, that's how I would, would see it or recall it. But I think over, over time, over years, it does change into something different. Certainly, I feel as we get older, people talk a lot more. And I'd say there's acceptance and acquiescence for the way people are a lot more. A lot more, I feel, because I think there's most, more talking and more listening as, 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 as years go by. Yeah. So I do think friendships change over time. Yeah, I think changes, I would, yeah. you hit a slightly raw nerve there with me. Most of, most of it, not, not a bad one, but this concept of competitiveness, which, as you know, has driven much of my life... Um, with our group of friends but also with other people too and within family and other people I come across but I never really see you as dare I say the competitive type I mean it's funny you and I are so different in many ways and you're also very similar in some ways we've just spent two hours walking this beautiful route agreed on many things that we do agree on Um, but also you know our our lives have taken rather different paths Um, I'm a married man I'm a twice married man uh, with numerous children um, you're not. Um, you've, you've taken your own your own furrow there, uh, and yet still, actually, we probably see each other at least once a week for one, one activity or another. Way. Yeah. But did did you seriously? You think you you were competitive to a degree when you were younger? 
always less less so I'd say but yeah. in a way though um, to be competitive particularly as a young lad is, is part of a traditional masculine presentation yes. uh, and that's why young guys you play rugby and play football it's it's kind of normal it's kind of normal so I was I was aware that 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 attitude um, or that aspect yeah was impacted upon everything including friendship at that time but as years goes by I'd say the experience and the uh, yeah it changes changes I think there's more communication now isn't there I'd say it is good there is definitely more communication it is interesting the competitiveness nature is only just disappearing for me and it's it's a conscious effort to do that and I, I am jealous of some of your other guys who've managed to mature beyond beyond that element I mean you, you, you mentioned the driving test is always the obvious one and unfortunately I wasn't the first to pass my driving test I thought you were but no I'm, and not. I'm, not, I'm not going to give kudos <laughs> to the one of the group who was because he'll be um, he'll be loving that moment <laughs> um, but I think I was the second to pass the driving test I was the first to get a job yes. I know that much yeah um, and, and yeah. Where, where, where were you the first then on, on bits and pieces there must have been something. <laughs> no, long, I don't mean that in a rude uh, way. I'm uh, just trying long, to think. How long has um, this podcast got? No, I'm, I'm no, no, recording no, no. time. <laughs> if you go. Uh, we'll be here three days. <laughs> but that's unfair. You were never uh, a follower. You absolutely were on your own uh, path in life. It, it might not have been the quickest path, uh, but you didn't follow other people. I never remember that uh, in you. No, I mean, there were times earlier, earlier, early on in, in, in friendship when it was a more competitive stage where I saw some of you disappearing over the horizon on your Harley Davidson and uh, <laughs> me not keeping up but in fact that didn't happen that proved not to be the case regardless of differences in presentation and way of way of life somehow and, and indeed marriage and another marriage and children and more children somehow that time was always found to, to meet to meet up whether it was in North Moor or um, in other places. Yeah. But isn't it funny that ultimately we still are at the same point in our lives, despite yeah. how different it might be, despite how we might have strived to have different bank balances or goodness knows what else, we are still middle-aged guys with similar health issues, similar outlook on things we want to do, similar enjoyments in life. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, the actual day-to-day yeah. where you take your life doesn't seem to matter too much about you know, where it brings you to eventually. And it brings you to a point of slight happiness and peace. I find that now I've turned 50, uh, I can find a bit more peace in who I am and how I've turned out, uh, which I couldn't do in my 40s, I don't think. Uh, there was still an element of I failed at too many things. Um, and I can still say the same now, but I don't care. <laughs> good, good, yeah. Well, that's part of acquiescence and acceptance. And I think with that... Um, yeah, acceptance and acquiescence gives anyone a, a time to enjoy the moment a bit more. Maybe that's why we can enjoy walks and... Enjoying the moment. Talk. You know, that is so true, isn't it? It's just sitting, taking views like this, which 10, 20, 30 years ago, I just wouldn't no. have done. I just... Too no. busy. Got to get on to the next thing. Yeah. Got to, got, to, got to get onto the phone to somebody. Got to get home. Got to whatever. But, God, blimey. I mean, it's funny you say that. I mean amazing we now have to tear ourselves away from this view which is almost an impossible thing to do <laughs> um, luckily we are going somewhere even more exciting because we're heading to our holiday house or where we're going to be based uh, for the next few days uh, and the intention is i think we'll talk a bit more uh, about how we feel over the coming days
easy to describe um, this morning's view. Well, first of all, it's pretty early and slightly chilly, um, but we're sitting outside our um, simple farm lodgings uh, where we're staying for this week, uh, overlooking uh, some rather beautiful um, small valley, uh, most of which we think is owned by this farm. Uh, the sun is creeping up through these trees right now. Uh, the wildlife is getting pretty busy. Uh, we seem to be surrounded by, I can see some sheep, some chickens, and apparently there's a load of cattle somewhere. I can smell the cattle, but I can't actually see them. And a woodshed. woodshed. Uh, yes, you're right. There's a woodshed full of yeah. wood as well, isn't there? So, um, yeah, do you sleep all right? Yes, yeah, yeah, fine. Yes, yeah. it was a, a, new, a new place, a new, a new room, um, and I was still, yeah, getting, getting used to that, but it was fine. Yeah, very good. And what about dinner last night? Were you impressed by that? Yeah, it's a warm, a warm welcome at a Welsh pub struggling to, to get itself through through lockdown and to run a business. And they made us made us very welcome, didn't they? Yeah, I, I, I particularly enjoyed that. I mean, you can't can't go wrong with a bit of local um, local meat. Well, that's what they said it was, and I'm sure they were right. Homemade by the local butcher. Uh, so exactly that. that yes. Was fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good, a good a good start to our break. Yeah. Uh, and I think plans today is a bit of golf, a bit more walking. Uh, and a bit more Welsh eating. Can't go wrong with any of that. <laughs> and we've got the weather on our side. Yes. So. You were talking yesterday about um, how uh, yeah, we've been friends for a long time, but we forget that actually we're just two of a, a larger group who seem to have stuck together for most of this, this period of time. 35 um, years plus. It, it, it is, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, we say that with some shock, but actually... why would we not stay friends it's as if we would drift apart at some point which we haven't and i can't think of any reason why we would Um, but but do you do you find that that particular friendship group an important part of your life still oh yeah and and as to to the issue is why it's still still together it's i can tell you why it isn't it's it's not because we are identical versions of one another because we most certainly are not we are a thoroughly disparate group of of distinct ind- individuals, so it is not. It is not because we are the same same people. That's that's not the the essential component. Um, I have a theory that we're still together, partly because of the the time that we we grew up, and partly as a as a group, uh, we simply don't take uh, each other or or life excessively seriously, excessively seriously. And I I do think that is part of the the glue and the enabling factor to enable us to, to to be together, to stick together and not, not feel that there are pressures to keep us apart. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I, I'm not going to talk for everyone else in the group, but you, you might remember that shortly after I lost Ben, I posted back to our group saying, look, guys, I just need us to carry on the way we've always carried on. I need, I need the banter. I need the taking the mick, uh, literally. I, I, you know, I, I just need that in my life. I don't need that to suddenly disappear just because I've gone through a personal tragedy. Uh, hmm. That would just make yeah. things even worse from my perspective. Uh, do you find it's just... Does it get you away from your normal life or is it, or is it just part of your normal life? It, it, is, it has certainly become part of my non- normal life, part of the backdrop of, of my life, yeah, part of my, uh, part of my experience. I, I think that we were all so lucky, though, to this sort of slightly carefree attitude of not taking life or ourselves excessively seriously. It's also a product of the age that we grew up in. I noticed yesterday I touched on the, the subject of, of music and if you if you look at the bands that were about from our time, if you look at, at, at Chaz and Dave and at Madness 
and at status quo they they did their thing they did their business but without taking themselves excessively seriously they did their thing took it seriously up to a point but also managed to laugh at themselves and we are we are as a group i think a little bit like that we are uh, the chas and dave the madness in that we we rib each other all the time and laugh at ourselves all the time and i think that's something that younger people now don't really grow up with the same freedoms to, to be like that. We, we had that. It was still about in culture at the time. Uh, I, I've touched on music there, but it was also true of sport that we spoke about rugby. We grew up at a time where you could play for England and also have another job yes. uh, and, be a, and be a doctor. Uh, somehow this pressure on performance wasn't as intense as it is now and whatever their respective art was whether it was music whether it was sport and I, I just think that we were lucky we were lucky and that slight ability to not take life or ourselves too seriously I think is has allowed us as a group to not take each other or, or life too seriously and so we don't feel driven apart by those pressures funny you, you use the word luck a few times um, I think you're right I mean I can't talk for other generations because I don't fully understand, but I, I do know that I think we were very lucky. And I, mm. The cynic would probably use the word spoil. Our generation, you know, we kind of had it all. We had freedom. We didn't have too much pressure. I don't think so. Finding jobs wasn't too difficult. Getting property wasn't too difficult. Yeah, straightforward. Um, it, it was. I, I kind of, you know, we just grew up in an age where we could just pretty much do what we wanted and the repercussions were not huge. You were always going to have some level of financial security, whatever you did. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's not the same for youngsters now. Maybe they have greater pressures than that. They absolutely have greater pressures. They absolutely do. And we were blessed. We were blessed. Because we went to school, but again, a bit like sort of Chaz and Dave and Madness, we, we didn't actually take that excessively seriously, and nor, nor did the school particularly encourage us to. You know, we had to, we did exams to a degree, but even if you got very average grades or or even walked out on your A levels, uh, <laughs> like certain people did, um, did walked out, didn't really, you know, stuff up your life chances. It just didn't. You could just just do do you know get another job, do do what you want. You could reinvent yourself several times over and it was there was not much structural barrier to to shut you out of things and uh well i think to an extent you've shown that yourself chris well i don't know about that i mean i'm not going to mention names when you talk about someone walking out their a-levels but i think i probably do still regret that to this day but um you know you live with your mistakes and you move on <laughs> that's a whole separate discussion for some time Let, let's do an episode on that at some point about Making sure youngsters don't walk out of their A-levels. <laughs> yes, yeah. But it, this is what I mean about the freedoms we enjoyed uh, at that time. And I think we were lucky. So we probably need to um, pack our stuff up, finish our coffees, um, go and find this uh, golf course by the sea that I'm looking forward to playing uh, and make the most of today. And uh, well, maybe we'll record some more, more thoughts later. Uh, right, well, this is a hell of a viewpoint. Um, we've walked three miles, I suspect, to get out here. We, I think we're at the most westerly point of the mainland that you can get to in Wales uh, and overlooking some uh, narrows of water across to what's called Ramsey Island, uh, which is a big old lump, actually. Uh, apparently, it's an RSPB sanctuary. 
Um, people can go and spend nights there in tents uh, if they're bird watchers. Uh, we're happy just wandering around here. Um, but a chance for a breather uh, and a stop. Have you enjoyed our view so far? Yes, uh, here we are nearly the last week in September and it's as, as hot as May, June. So, again, we've had lady luck on our side. It's been, it's been wonderful. Golf this morning <laughs> and now lovely Pembrokeshire coast. So, can't complain. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, the golf uh, yeah, this morning was fantastic in terms of views. Um, I think we got a bit carried away with the views and I think we started losing count of the actual score. So maybe we'll treat that as an honourable draw today. Um, it's probably our fairest point. But we were talking um, as we were coming along these cliff paths here. Um, you and I are very similar in many ways, but we also have some quite obvious glaring differences when it comes to things like uh, religion uh, and what I call spirituality, though I suspect your views on spirituality may not even match mine. Uh, you you don't mind admitting you're a religious person and and probably a spiritual person too Uh, but explain for me first of all the difference and and what they mean for you well the two are related Um, certainly spirituality is usually applied to an own individual's belief about themselves about the big issues of what happens to me when when I leave or what happens to my loved ones when when they're gone when they're passed from this earth uh, death and taxes are two certainties, so it's it's going to happen to us all. Uh, religion is slightly more frameworked within an orthodoxy and a suite of, of rules. I think it's it's another recording, to be honest, organised religion. But uh, but spirituality, it'd be enough just to talk talk about that. And that certainly, I believe, when an individual or indeed a loved one passes, uh, they they continue. They absolutely continue. We have our physical body, but we also have a have a spirit body. And we have a have a life outside of, of, of this of this one. Here on Earth, uh, we are only aware of a certain number of dimensions: um, breadth, height, length, time. But uh, quantum physicists are now beginning to believe that there's as many as ten dimensions, okay. uh, four definable, uh, and several of the others merely inferable, inferable through calculations. So I think there's a lot that we that we just don't see and just don't understand. But so, so for me, I mean, I, I've always deemed spiritualism is, I think as you pretty much said there, is just the belief that there's something after death. Yes, that's um, right. Which doesn't have to be tied into an organised religion. Quite right. And you see that the same way? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah so I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately that is all that spiritualism is. So if you don't believe in an afterlife, you can't be spiritual, I suspect. I, I believe so, and you do indeed get some people like myself who are both religious and spiritual, and you get others who aren't religious, they, they, they can't follow the orthodoxies, they can't see the, uh, the narrative in it and would remain, but still would believe in life after death and are just spiritual. And you get, get others who believe that, that who are neither and that we, we only actually occupy this, this physical realm for 75 years and then that's it, it's completely over. Oh, and I unfortunately currently sit in that latter camp. But I, you're right, I can see how humans could certainly be spiritual. Yes. Um, depending on what experiences they witness in their, in their own lives. Uh, you and I know from plenty of discussions over the past, religion is probably a step too far for me in terms of belief. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, ultimately you are a religious person. I don't think you put labels around exactly what type of religion you have. But uh, yeah, how, how does that manifest itself in your life and happiness how how crucial is it certainly my spiritual beliefs which um will do for this recording um give me a great sense of of hope 
that um, that I will be reunited with people that I've lost and that it's impossible actually to lose anyone. Uh, both, both say organised Christians and spiritualists believe in God, they both do, and they both believe that a, a little bit of God is seeded within each life that is ever lived. Um, they, it's called, Christians would call it the divine spark, yes. a little bit of little bit of God within each individual person. Spiritualists call it something slightly different. They call it the seed, the seed of God. Yes. Um, but it amounts to much the same thing. There is something different about, special about uh, the human spirit that that is divine and in origin cannot possibly be lost in for people who who are. Of my persuade, of my persuasion, of my view, it's, it's just of too value, too much value. There's uh, almost an absurdity to consider that anyone could ever be be lost. So it, it, I don't. I, I think it asserts the value of, of, of the human condition rather mm. than try and contain it or or control it. It merely asserts it, its value and, and has great respect for the fact that perhaps when we die. We, we return to that God source, as spiritual people call it. We become part of that oneness. I mean, someone like myself who would, who would love the opportunity to be shown that there is an afterlife, of course we would. I mean, I don't, th- I don't think there's anyone on this earth who wouldn't want that to be the case. Um, but there are enough of us who are realists and have a different view on that. But, I mean, have you always just believed that there's got to be something and that's good enough? Or have you had experiences that convince you? Uh, the latter. The ah, latter. OK. Yes, I have also believed, but I have also had experiences that point towards the latter, not yeah. just by inference, not just infer the latter, but, but experience. And I believe that, in fact, many people, including those of no religion at all, have had spiritual experiences, Yes, have, have seen, uh, seen spirits... Uh, a lot of people have had an, uh, an angel encounter, which, which I haven't had. I've never seen an angel um, or had a message, but there are people out there of all religious persuasion and no religion uh, who, who have. So the, these things are out there as part of a mystery. I, and, yeah, yeah, someone like myself will always be more evidence-based, but I, I would be open-minded um, to an experience that, that, could, that could turn me. I, I genuinely would be. Uh, yeah. And if it happens, you know, uh, it happens. Uh, I mean, here we are now. We've, we've, we've got another four miles of this beautiful clifftop walk to do. Um, maybe my encounter is coming in the next hour or so. Um, we'll maybe cover that in the next podcast if it does happen. <laughs> well, there's, there's various ways that it, it can happen. Again, leaving organised religion out of it. Um, people who, people who, who visit, visit the services of a, of a good medium... Um, are very persuaded that they have then had an encounter through a medium with um, with a with a loved one, uh, just like good builders and bad builders, good roofers and bad builders. There are good mediums and there are there are charlatans as well. So, uh, my advice to anyone seeking the services uh, of a medium through a point of loss is that they should do so through a respected organisation such yes. as a, a spiritualist church, yes. rather than just seeing someone in a tent at the end of the pier you know that's all the fairground that's that's there, there are charlatans but there are charlatan builders and charlatan roofers so yeah. one has to be careful yes it's, it's not an area of life that has kite marks that can give you much certainty <laughs> so you have to take advice and find yourself a reputable one but um yes they could i'm uh, persuaded and convinced on the experiential level that 
these things are genuine in the in the right context. Yes. Oh, I'd like to believe too. Let's see where where experience takes us. So your feet rested. Yes. Are we yeah, ready to carry are. on? I think we had a swig of water and a great view <laughs> and a bit more walking. All right. Cool. Let's do that. Um. It can't always be like this in Wales. We can't always wake up to um, these beautiful skies uh, and this lovely sunrise. Uh, but here we are yet again uh, after another full-on day yesterday, um, witnessing the sun rising over this uh, beautiful vista. Um, I think today we're planning even more walking. I mean, serious walking today, but um, we'll see what the legs tell us when we actually get going. Uh, and we'll be flexible around those sorts of things. Looking forward to what we're going to be doing today. Yes, yeah, we've had two days golf uh, on the trot, <laughs> and today a pure, pure walk day, pure walk day. But yeah. Casilli Hill, never, never walked there, never, never been there, so it's all, all new for me. So that's good. Yeah, should be a good day. So we're talking the other day, I think about. Um, yeah, we've got a group of friends. Um, we have a nickname for them, but let's not um, embarrass ourselves by uh, revealing that. But there's a group of us friends who've been together for a long, long time now. I mean, most of our lives. Um, the number has fluctuated slightly over the years, but there's around eight of us at the moment, um, been through thick and thin together, um, always there for each other. Um, there have been quietish times amongst the group as we disappeared off to different corners of the globe, and there's been very tight times amongst the group when we've come together like we all did in Spain last year. Yes, um, very successful. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's kind of my views, though. But for you... Yeah, well, where, where, where's the group stand in terms of meaning anything to you? And when, when's it been useful, do you think? Well, one of the interesting things about having a friendship group that lasts 35 years is that I'm of the view that friendship moves through different seasons, different seasons in time. And as you've hinted at already, there have been tight times and there have been quieter times as, as people have got on with their own individual lives. I mean, that period after someone's got married and children are very young, it's a, it's a hugely busy period for, any, for anyone. And uh, so there have been quiet times, but one thing that has, has always been is that there, there have always been regular meetups, regardless of what season we, we are in our lives. Uh, I think those seasons change over time. As I hinted at last time, I think mm. in the early days, particularly a group of guys, uh, they're quite competitive with, with each other, and that moves to a, through to a season of somehow observing one one another. What are people doing with their lives? Where where they're at? What, what their interest? What their interests are? Through to where we are now, uh, which I think is a season where we really do listen to one another. I think this is a, the season in which communication, uh, perhaps that's how it is with guys, you have to reach almost middle age before you really start to speak and really start to listen to one another. So from my experience, there have been these different seasons in different times. Uh, and the themes themes are different each time. So when we're young, it, it was very, <laughs> very vigorous, very active, uh, a lot of adrenaline and people whizzing around at breakneck speed. And then more to a slightly mellower observing time. But just for, for my observation, this is the season in which, which we really communicate and, and listen to one another. I think it's very interesting, actually. You talk about the middle age and how it maybe mellows us and makes us more open. Personally, for me, I'd actually say it's more event-driven, which maybe just happens as you're middle-aged. I mean, I'm not saying we're any luckier or any unluckier than other group, but amongst the group, there has been its fair share of tragedy and loss. Uh, I can't believe that's any different from any other group of eight men mm. uh, of our age. Um, 
I've suffered a loss this year, so have you actually. Even next week, uh, we have a funeral of, of the wife of one of our group. Um, you know, tragedy visits us throughout our lives. I personally have found our group of friends immensely um, supportive and important to me through everything I've been through uh, in this last year. Uh, and almost contradictory against how I've treated the group in the past. I've sort of pushed them away at times of need, and but now I see the other side of that. But, you know, you've suffered a loss of a, a loved one this year. Uh, but from a group point of view, has that helped at all? Does it make a difference? Yes, I think, uh, as, as you quite say, some of, of the complexion of the season of friendship that we're in has been event-driven. Um, that's, that, that is true. And, yes, sir... Uh, as a group, we, we sadly we, we haven't completely sidestepped some of the, the, the sadnesses and tragedies of life, um, and, and certainly yes, the group has been very supportive, very supportive when when these events come along. A very obvious example of that, even using in technology, is that when something big happens to to someone in in life on Messenger, very often a subgroup appears, in which we're all discussing amongst ourselves how we what was happened to someone and how we might might best you know support them and uh, be in touch with them and, and help them along so it is absolutely true that when something big happens um, the group does take an interest does take a concern and uh, yes I, I, I know that 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 does happen I, I myself uh, I'm also not immune to to loss it was slightly different in my case because in my case, it's no secret that the loss has, has come about because of five years' worth of, of dementia. So with me, there's been very much a, a sleepwalk into this final event. Okay. Uh, very much a, a long, drawn-out sleepwalk that's been drawn out, if I'm honest, over five years, um, whereby with this, this, this terrible walk of, of dementia capacity just diminishes and diminishes and diminishes incrementally each month each 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 year yes. it's worse and worse and so eventually when the event happens I can't say it's, it's accompanied in my case with a lot of shock I can't I can't say that it has been because I've I've had the slow walk towards it now whether that's an advantage or, or a disadvantage I, I don't know I mm. don't know but it would be quite different from the experience of someone who, who, whose parent or loved one died sort of very suddenly from a heart issue or a stroke or something. So, yes, it's been a slightly different walk for me than mm. perhaps for other people. Uh, you're right. We all have ultimately our different experiences of losing loved ones, um, which is part of life. Let's not avoid that. Um, but I, I do think the group plays a part, and, and I've discovered it to be a massively important part, uh, in getting us through those things and, and make, helping us realise that, to be honest, we're just guys trying to get through life. Um, and if, if we don't pull together sometimes and get through it, then then what's the point of trying? Uh, so, yeah, my, my own views is, is I've really come to appreciate uh, this year uh, how, how much we, we, we are there for each other, which I, th- which I think is great. Anyway, I guess it's time we, we dig out our map and plan our route for um, walking across the hills today. You ready for that? I certainly, certainly am. Well, I think we've, um, I think we've studied these maps enough. I think we have a general idea of where we're going to head today. Um, if we get lost, well, what the hell? It's going to be a fun day out anyway. 
is my view. But, Tim, we were talking earlier, um, when we were talking about the lads and our group, um, but we touched on, obviously, you've suffered a loss this year. Uh, you want to know that the title of my podcast is My Argument with Grief, and, and you've certainly gone through uh, some grief this year, and I suspect, actually, for over a longer period of time. But, uh, I mean, briefly tell me your story from your point of view of at what point did you think you were in a period of grieving and how have you dealt with that i have thought about this i'd say because my father's journey was one through alzheimer's at least five years in length and i'd say looking back that my period of active grief started started four years ago started four years ago um as you are witnessing the disintegration and capacity of of someone who's a foundational person in your life. Yes. Um, I would also say, perhaps unique to dementia, um, that that the the grief happens in advance of the event, and I wouldn't have known that, I wouldn't have appreciated that, uh, unless I'd had to walk that journey myself. Yes. and it is, a lo- it is a lonely walk. It is a lonely walk because though other people are, are aware that there's, there's an issue, they're perhaps less aware that that is, the, that is the start of your loss, that is the start of your grieving for, for your loss. And that's, uh, that's, that's a bit of a lonely time. Um, when the event finally happened, the passing, um, much more, of course, everyone is, is, is very concerned and is very, very there, there for you. But ironically and for reasons I can't fully explain, um, that wasn't the worst part of it for me. Oh, that, that, okay. that really was not. There was, um, there was an ex- acceptance that this, this, this terrible journey, uh, this terrible walk, was, was now at an end. It, it felt like the conclusion of something. It had a less jagged edge than I thought it might have. Yes. Um, in advance of this journey, and when I knew nothing about it, I would have thought the moment of passing would have been the, 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 the worst. But I, I really don't think it was. I, th- I think it was the disintegration along the way. Um, and that was also the loneliest part of the walk, uh, because there's no doubt that when you do make a loss amongst other relatives and friendship groups and others, there's, there's a lot of presenteeism that people are very concerned and are yes. very present and very much rally around. That, that, that's very much the case. And I think that uh, it's perhaps underappreciated or I certainly underappreciated that someone who'd have a long-term condition such as motor neuron disease or whatever it is that could last five years uh, uh, the grief actually and the loneliness of the walk is is is, is there beforehand in advance I mean as, as your friend I would always say your approach to certainly the loss of your father has been one of stoicism more than anything but it's interesting to hear you say that the grief is is a journey that builds well before the, the point of death. So presumably, I mean, your dear old mother uh, is suffering from dementia as well. Are you saying that there's a grief story there as well? Oh, most certainly. Okay. Most certainly. Right. Yes. But, yeah. That's. Uh, and again, it's. I believe that the worst part of it will be before the actual the actual passing. Okay. In my particular case, that's also compounded by the the issue of where we are with with covid because there's a huge amount of frustration about the fact that someone is 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 alive still alive still accessible in theory but now not accessible because of some structural event that i have no power over so, not, not so great place. in simple terms for all of us because we all we all suffer this and it's been the biggest challenge for me every day here we are early in the morning how do you get up in the morning and face grief and get on with your day what, what is your simple way of doing that 
I think there's, I, I do feel, I do feel a certain moral imperative, of course, to, to continue to, okay. to, to get on with, with my day, simply because of the investment that has been made in me by, but particularly by my parents, but yeah. dare I say it, by society in general, by my education and my friendship group and everything. That, yes, I do believe that. I do have a moral imperative to, yeah, to, to, to get up and and to, to continue. Yeah, most, most certainly. So have, I, I have there ever been any days where actually you don't want to? Um, well, I think I'm lucky that I'm someone who doesn't, Structurally, suffer much with 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 depression. Okay. I don't think so. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't seem to have that. Um, I've had other odd events in my life uh, which have been challenging, such as a loss last last year in the home. Yes. Um, but uh, no, I don't. I think naturally, I'm, qu- I'm quite a simple person, and quite uh, <laughs> and that that helps. I think that helps to have a, a natural sort of buoyancy. But um, but that doesn't mean that uh, I can feel very sad about things, yeah, and I feel a sense of, of loss, and in my case, a bit of, uh, yeah, a bit aggrieved, actually, a bit aggrieved that this, this walk had to be like that. I mean, very recently, as you know, we all celebrated 50th birthdays, yes. and it's my great pleasure to see very often the parents of us, uh, of friends who are 50, still there at, at the parties, and uh, my walk was different, but then again, one shouldn't dwell too much on that, because life is life. Yes. That is life. Life is life, and you have this, yeah, this imperative to to get on with things. So no, I've been lucky in that I haven't. I don't think I've ever had a day where I felt well. I just can't can't get up today. Not glad to hear it, uh, Tim. You're never simple. Um, today, for example, I should be relying on your imperious map reading skills. Uh, otherwise, we won't be coming home again. So there has to be an element of luck to this. Um, here we are, late September. Uh, in Newquay on the West Wales coast. Uh, it's gone sunset, it's rapidly getting dark, and we're sitting here eating ice creams. Um, are we lucky, or is um, is this just normal? We're, we're lucky, we're lucky. We've been blessed this week <laughs> with uh, just perfect conditions, both for walking uh, and for eating out. And so, yeah, we've even at this time, late night, late in the evening, been able to have an ice cream, so... We're doing very well. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. There, there's got to be an element of luck here. I can't believe Wales, beautiful as it is, can always be this warm uh, at this time of the evening, uh, this late in September. Um, anyway, we were we were touching earlier, funny enough, on we were talking about the loss of your father and what you think might be the imminent loss of your mother and uh, dealing with grief and what drives you to get out of bed each morning. Believe the grief to one side for a minute. You're generally a pretty positive person in terms of outlook you you always pick yourself up you keep yourself going um like many of us you probably sit there and say my life hasn't quite gone where i wanted it to but it's not bad obviously but what's your secret to keeping a good positive mental health day in day out well certainly this year and last few years have offered some challenges um one challenge that everyone has had this year to face of course has been lockdown has been lockdown and i can say quite honestly uh that it's not been too bad for me at all not been too bad at all i haven't haven't struggled with it uh now i think i can't help noticing that when lockdown really got going in april and may and june by some strange twist of 
of quirk or fate or whatever, it coincided with a particularly beautiful time in the natural world. Uh, I think it had never, even though we were supposed to be inside, it, we were allowed an hour, at least an hour's walking a day, mm. I believe, if, if it was from our house. And I, I took every advantage of that. I walked by the river every day. Um, I walked through by the parks behind my house. And I, I can honestly say that the natural world just had never struck me as, as being more, more wonderful, more wonderful. And for whatever reason, I think being mindful of, of the natural creation around us um, in amongst the chaos of what was going on on the news uh, yeah, provided a good, a good place for me to be, a good safe place for me to be. I soon learned not to listen to too much news, even though it was very tempting to at the start. Um, yes. Uh, there was 24-hour news. Yes. We have that now. We were in lockdown. It was tempting, particularly in the early stages of the drama, to just keep... But, but no, in terms of mindfulness, you need to be a bit aware of, of, of what you're putting into yourself. And so I actually had to make an active choice to whittle down the number of times I watched the news in only one day and just appraise myself of things in the headlines. Um, and then in the rest of the day, do, do other things. But as I say, it certainly wasn't all bad for me because the natural world, almost by way of compensation, had, had never, been, never been, been better. People were talking about things like hearing birdsong um, more because there was less traffic, people yes. weren't driving. Uh, the skies were bluer, there was less pollution. And uh, there was this sense, of course, of people being kind to each other as well. Uh, Clap, clap the heroes was every yeah. Thursday, wasn't it? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So amongst my neighbours, there was actually, even though we weren't supposed to be visiting each other, we would sort of wave to each other over the hedge and uh, just talk. You know, it was, it was, dare I say, a, a time of, of retreat for, uh, from from the melee of ordinary life, really. Even though, of course, a, a medical storm was brewing all around us. So that's that's how it was for me. You did use a, a crucial word there that I, I've come to know a lot in the last few months, uh, mindfulness. Um, the crazy thing is, I, if someone asked me to define what it is, I still don't know what it actually means. Uh, um, the cynic in me even starts to think that maybe there's an element of poppycock here. Uh, I'm probably being grossly unfair. But uh, does mindfulness mean anything to you? Is that something you understand? Yes, yes I do. And I have had to practice some mindfulness because of other concerns and issues that have, have gone in my, on in my life um, and I'd say to anyone who's feeling anxiety or worry or has chaotic thoughts that come into their lives, do not for a moment think that you, are, you need to be controlled by your thoughts, don't for a moment think that your thoughts control you because it's actually the other way around your thoughts will come into your head in an involuntary way um, but you have a technique uh, whereby you can you can park them and move to one side. So going back to my talking about walking by the river or walking in a meadow behind my house where there was just endless spring flowers, yes. you can make the decision that for the moment you step in that park, you are going to think about absolutely nothing other than what you see directly in front of you, okay. whether it's catkins or buttercups or bluebells, yeah. and that all you are going to see and think about is what what you see in front of you and the moment other unhelpful thoughts come in you can you can challenge them 
and saying, not now, you have your time some other time and you focus on what's just in front of you. And that eventually impacts positively on, on mood, on mood. So if you put yourself in a nice environment and just mindfully focus on, on a nice situation in front of you, we could even do it now by the seashore and make the decision you're not going to think about anything else, then that eventually will raise your mood. So it's the physical view, like we have right in front of us right now, which, let's face it, is I would call that a good view. So if I just look at that, that's mindfulness. As if you're thinking the light, the quality of this light is wonderful, we're actually in an evening setting, we've got seagulls swirling around us, the, the, the waves are just gently coming in, and there's a lovely violet quality to, to the light. And if you observe and focus simply on those things and make an active decision that while I'm watching these things, I'm going to dispel any troublesome thoughts that come to your mind, such as, well, in my case, I'm not working at the moment, mm. uh, uh, income, or how long is the car going to last for? <laughs> you, you can make a choice to dispel those things uh, and not be controlled by them. Um, yes, and that's, that's, that's my I, I'm slightly jealous, I think, because I think this seems to come more naturally to you than it does to me. Um, but maybe I, I, I might overall my cynical nature slightly there because actually what you said made simpler sense for me to have a practice at and a go at. So, OK, thanks. We'll um, lesson learnt. We'll move on and try that. You do have to practice it. it. It's not something we're born with, but it's something that en- anyone could learn to develop, and I mean absolutely anyone. And we don't have to be controlled by our thoughts. Initially, they will happen involuntarily, but when you're on that walk in that park or by the seashore and you've decided... You're only going to focus on what's in front of you. You learn to to dis- dispel those things until the next time you do the walk, they don't even come. Eventually, they won't even come. So, that was our five days in Wales. Five days with a dear old friend. Tim means a lot to me. Uh, Tim will always mean a lot to me. Uh, he's always been there for me. He's always supported me. He's never questioned me. He's never said, Chris, you're daft. Chris, you're stupid. He's just always been a good friend. And as we've discussed over some of these podcast episodes, so have all of my friends been very similar. Um, So we've had a great time. Um, Back home, back to family, um, back to maybe doing some more normal podcasts. So watch out for those episodes coming very soon. Uh, but I hope you've enjoyed what we've been discussing over these last couple of episodes. Even though you're forever on my heart I miss you loving so Join me next time on My Argument with Grief.